So today, talking on the fact that it is written. Now, handwriting today, with the surge in kind of digital technology, is becoming something of a, of a lost art, right? When was the last time you wrote something like significant, other than like a card? So it's a, it's a few hands, few hands, not, not many. I had to do one of those um, digital signatures the other day. You know those? You love those, don't you? With your finger, right? They give you this tiny box, and then you just start. You do one line, and you feel like you've regressed to a seven-year-old. And my signature actually looks pretty good, generally, because I took a, line, a lot of time practicing that when I was about 15. But on those boxes, it just looks awful. Next time, I'm just going to put an X in the box, and that will be me. God, however, has written out the whole of history. He has written it from start to finish, and we can read about it. It is written in this amazing book called the Bible. It's an amazing written manual for life and how we as God's people are supposed to live. And so today I want to look at four areas that are written by God to help us understand something of the big picture of God's plan for his people and to remind you uh, that God has his hand over our lives, whether you know him this morning or not. First one then, the written code. This for me typified or exampled by stone, okay? The written code, and we're looking at stone. That's the kind of thing I want you to grasp this morning. And we can read in the latter half of Exodus where God gives the Ten Commandments to his people. In Exodus 24, verse 12, we see this. We see God speaking. He says, I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commands I have written for your, their instruction. He was talking to Moses. Moses was to meet God on top of a mountain, and he was, if you like, to receive these stone tablets, the written kind of way to live for God's people. God has always wanted a people for himself, for him, his own, the people that he created. In the Old Testament, he gave the nation of Israel, whom he had raised up and set free from Egyptian slavery, he gave them the written code. These 10 ways to live, commandments, were given so that the people would know how to live well, what was right and what was wrong, and therefore to be set apart, if you like, for God, that they would make a difference, that other people, other nations would look in on them and see them as different. And I always um, think about Moses in this story, the story of Moses going up on the mountain, encountering God, this incredible, holy, perfect, loving being, and just being, being given these Ten Commandments that God had written by his own hand. And then I think about Moses coming down the mountain, thinking, oh my goodness, I better not drop these tablets of stone. Stumbling down this mountain, who knows what was happening. But what was happening back down the mountain was that the Israelites 
had got fed up with Moses being up on the mountain because he'd been there for quite a long time. And they'd started to lose sight of the God who had brought them out of slavery, and they started to worship different idols. They'd put all their gold that they were wearing into a, a, a vat, and they melted it, and they produced a golden calf that they then started to worship. And God's anger therefore burned as he knew what was going on down below. And Moses, as he got down there, he himself burned with anger too. <laughs> and he threw the stone tablets and they broke. They broke in half. Anyway, they persuaded the Israelites to come back to God. But the point is, there is an indication right there and then that somehow God's people we're never going to be able to live out under this law, under these Ten Commandments. No matter how hard they tried, and they worked really hard. In fact, some of the religious Pharisees of the day lived their life with this outward observance of the law, but they lived it out to such an extent that they, their hearts were cold towards God and hardened and became hardened even further by the sin of pride about how well they were keeping the law and of judgmentalism towards those who weren't keeping the law. I don't know how you think about these Ten Commandments. Maybe you think they're a bit outdated or in our sophisticated modern age. Maybe you think they're irrelevant now. Or maybe you still think actually they're, they're the right thing to do to live well by God's standards. Most of us will think, well, we're not that bad, actually, as people. We haven't murdered. We haven't killed anybody. We're generally pretty good people. But here's the thing, right? At the end of time when every person will stand before God and he will judge us <laughs> on our lives... It won't be measured by our human standards as to whether we did okay. It will be measured by God's holy standard, his perfect righteousness, the perfect law. And the Bible tells us that even if we've just missed one aspect of that law, that that sin in us is enough to say that we've Guilty of breaking all of it. And without God, we're heading, the writing is on the wall, if you like, towards uh, an eternity without him. And so God, in his graciousness, gives us this law. It is good. And Moses had to go back up the, the mountain to get some new tablets. This time Moses wrote them out. Because God wants us to know the law because it's the law that helps us recognize that we're never going to be able to make it on our own merit. We're never, no matter how hard we try, how well we perform, going to make it to God's holy, righteous state on our own merit. So what did God do? Well, he wrote the next chapter. God wrote a man called Jesus into history, the Son of God, as it were. And this is the written charge I want to talk about at this moment. 
And I want to talk about this being in two kind of forms. The first one is sand, two stories, and the first one is wood. God wrote Jesus into history. He came to seek and to save the lost. He was to usher into this kingdom or a new way of living, if you like, to break through all the religiousness, to come with love and grace, and to bring hope to this lost world against the law. I want to tell you of a story that we read in John's gospel. John 8. It's the story of a a woman caught in adultery. And this woman had got herself mixed up with something over time and then the religious Pharisees of the time, they caught this woman in the very act of adultery. And they brought her to Jesus. Can you imagine the woman's feelings and emotions at that point? And they pushed her into this kind of circle around into to where Jesus was, who was teaching the people, and they surrounded her. And they surrounded her, and they were holding, they picked up stones and bricks. Because the law says that if you're caught in adultery, then you should be stoned according to the law. And so they were there, they were ready to stone her. There was this moment, and they, they, they say to Jesus, they ask him a question, who's right? Is it what should happen here, Jesus? They were trying to catch him out. Jesus bent down, and he starts writing in the sand. We don't know what he's writing, but some of the scholars suspect that maybe he was starting to list these 10 commandments. Maybe he was writing the word L-O-V-E. Nobody knows what he was writing. And then he stands up in this incredible moment. And he says to the people around them, he says, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And of course, They all knew that they too had fallen short, no matter how good they felt they were. And I love this part of the story. You can just imagine the stones just dropping and thudding back into the sand. And the people, one by one, the Bible says the oldest to the youngest, started to drop their stones and move away. Then Jesus is left with the woman stood in front of him and he says to her no one else has condemned you and neither do I in this moment there's love there's grace Jesus doesn't ignore the law because he then says go and sin no more I believe the woman's life like we've heard today in these baptism stories transformed in an instant because of the look in Jesus' eyes and the love and the forgiveness that she received in that moment. This was a taste of what was to come. What was given to one woman, in fact many people as you read through the, the life of Jesus in the Bible, was at one point to be given and available to all. This is the written charge written on wood. It's a story 
of the cross. You see, Jesus was born to die. It's the Easter story. And I want to bring you to the the point where Jesus had been tried and he was pushed to a man called Pilate in the Bible. And Pilate kind of knew that that this Jesus was something different. And there was a written charge that was going to be put put above his head as he was to hang upon the cross. And we read in Matthew 27, verse 37, we read this. Above his head... They placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Pilate had seen that there was no wrong in Jesus. (laughs) This was a sinless savior who was about to be sacrificed for our sin. And so he wrote this cross uh, sign and it was to be nailed to the cross. But those around him said, don't write that. Write that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. But Pilate came back and he said, I have written what I have written. Pilate too had seen something of who this Jesus really was. He was indeed a king and the king of all things. He'd labeled the cross as it should be, a sinless king going to his death, one that he didn't deserve, but he was going there because God had asked him to. And he was going there for the sake of our sin and our lives in this amazing plan of salvation for the whole world. You see, Jesus upheld the law fully, He, the Bible tells us, fulfilled the law. And therefore, in him there was no sin. And so he was the perfect sacrifice. And he took his, our sinfulness upon himself as he paid the penalty that should have been ours upon that cross. A death that we deserved and he did not. And in that moment he conquered sin. He defeated death. As he rose again and Satan did not have any say on what was happening at that moment. And he rose again victorious as we've sang about coming out of the grave this morning. He was victorious and if we trust in him, we too can be free from this hold that the law has on us. Free from the law of sin and the curse of death. I want to look at one more thing that was written, the written consequence. And this is about our hearts. We've had stone, we've had sand, we've had wood. Now it's flesh, our hearts. And this is a story about you and me. You see, the consequence written for everyone who would trust in Jesus for their salvation is joy (laughs) at being made one with the Father. In Romans 10 in the New Testament, verse 4, we can read this. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who 
believes. What's that saying? It's saying that we don't no longer have to strive for performance to be our best and to attain this standard that is unattainable that the law set. But it means that if we're trusting in God and trusting in Jesus, then Christ did it all for us and therefore he is good enough. And it's not what we have done, therefore, or haven't done, actually. It's about what he has done for us as he hang on that wooden cross. As we put our trust in him and turn from our old lives, we too are raised to life in Christ with all his goodness and with all his righteousness. (laughs) We give him our sin He puts it to death on the cross and he gives us his righteousness, which means that then when we stand before God at the end of time, God looks at us and sees Jesus and he sees that we are covered by his blood and that our sin is forgiven and therefore we are right with God and it's a relationship like no other And the words that are written over us, just like they were written over the woman caught in adultery, are no condemnation. The word that is written for everyone who believes is not guilty. The words that are written for everyone who trusts in Jesus are free, forgiven forever. And God, by his wisdom, took our hearts of stone and threw the wood on the cross and Jesus turns them to hearts of flesh pierced by his love so that we might come into a new and fresh relationship with him. Hebrews 8 verse 10 says this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. He's talking about the future. He says, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. It's an amazing piece of scripture. I will be their God and they will be my people. When we come into a relationship with Jesus, the law is written in us, in our heads and on our hearts. He gives us a power to be able to live this out for his glory with him in us. You see, the old law, therefore, no longer marks off the people of God. It did back then. It was about circumcision. It was about what you ate and what you didn't eat. But now, it's about our hearts. And it's about things like baptism, new markers, if you like, of a new way of life in Jesus. Baptism in water, which you've seen today, and baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is that penetration, if you like, of our cold hearts of stone to make them warm 
hearts of flesh that have been transformed by Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but God has written a book of life. And in that book are a multitude of names that are destined, if you like, because God, God has written out the whole story from front to end. People in that book are destined to come to know him. Many of us have our names written in that book. And we know it because we're believers in him. But today you might not be a believer in Jesus. You might not be a, a follower of Jesus as yet. But today you can know and recognize your name because God knows if you're going to be there or not. And today he might be calling you to come home. Maybe even today you're seeing the writing on the wall for your life. And as I've explained the gospel, and have you seen some of these stories, you're tugging on your heart to come back to him, to have your heart turned from a heart of stone, to have your sins erased by one brush of a foot in the sand because of one man called Jesus who died on a wooden cross so that you could have a new heart with him. Let's pray together. Why don't we stand? You ask the worship band to come back. You know, if you um, make this commitment today for the first time, or if you've made it before, it doesn't make us perfect in that sense. We have Christ's perfect righteousness. I think it was Sophie who said it on the, on the video. We still get it wrong, but there is grace for every day. And the cross stands forever. And we can come to him in forgiveness at any moment in our lives. And he wipes and keeps wiping that slate clean. Those sins taken away through the blood of Jesus Christ. I wonder if you're here and you don't yet know Jesus. And today is an opportunity to express to him that you want to know him for yourself, maybe for the first time. If that's you in this room today, I'd love to pray for you. So why don't you just raise a hand if that's you. This happens regularly in this place. People giving their lives to Jesus, recognizing that they're weak and away from God as he intended their lives to be. So just give us a hand. Anyone this morning who wants to give their life to Jesus and have him come and transform their heart of stone 
through a heart of flesh. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you didn't leave us far off from you, but you sent your son to die for us. Lord, so that we could know forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for this good news, the gospel. Lord, we're here celebrating it this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you that though we cannot attain to the law of our own merit, Jesus has done it for us. And Lord, we are so grateful for a savior who was able to dignify the trial and pay for our sin. Lord, help us never to forget what you have done for us. A God who loves God who loves so much that he sent his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Lord, we thank you that we are counted as those. Lord, help us to celebrate even now and to celebrate every day for the rest of our days. And one day to celebrate forever with you in your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you're about in these days. Amen.